Hi, you're listening to another episode of Get in the Flow with Kaylin Marie. And today we're going to talk about customer service as it relates to your brand. A lot of people skip over this when they're building out their brands. Um, it is much more fun to think about what website you want to put together and what your services are going to be. And, and obviously that's really important. But I think a lot of people, especially when they're starting out as a small business, they aren't necessarily thinking of the process the customer is going to go through when they're working with you or your vendor partners or whoever it is that's in your brand ecosystem. So on this podcast, we're going to talk about really what is customer service? What do people expect now? I really wanted to dive into this topic a little bit more because I found that over the years, I realized how much certain things impact my experience with a client and my ability to retain that client over the years versus uh, somebody who sells products and, you know, it's an e-commerce type store. So for this podcast, I'm really talking to you um, service professionals, and I might get a little bit into the product side, but for for the purpose of this podcast, we're going to go service industry because that's really my focus area for what I do. So customer service, right? The assistance, we'll talk about the definition of it. The assistance and advice provided by a company to those people who buy or use its products or services. It's also the processes that support the teams making customer service happen. So I'm sure you've seen recently on social media, many, many, many larger companies are actually leveraging Facebook to be their customer service platform. So Customer gets mad, posts something on Facebook, not happy, et cetera, et cetera. Or they love the service, love the product. They post a message saying how much they love it. And then the company can interact with those customers one-on-one. If you're engaged heavily on social media and you have a huge following, you may want to do that uh, as one of your tactics. But to start with, we're going to talk about processes. So before you even get to the level where you're handling volume customer service inquiries we want to talk about the small to mid-sized businesses that handle regular customer concerns um, regular client onboarding so really for me customer service begins at the beginning when you're giving them their proposal so most of the time when a client finds me or even when my clients are getting new uh, prospective people into their funnel into their pipeline they're they're finding them a bunch of ways. They're either getting a referral, they're finding them through a deliberate ad campaign where they're clicking a landing page and opting into something. They're finding them through a, uh, let's see, referral, ad campaign, social media posting, um, who knows what it is. Maybe you offer a free download and somehow you came up in a search they did on Google and you offered a free download to them and now they're in your sales funnel and you started engaging with them. Awesome. They know about you, your awareness is happening, and they want to get on a phone call. So for me, one of the first ways that I, I'm introduced to a new client, whether there's somebody that I've sort of known as an acquaintance online or they're a brand new person that I've never met, they book a call with me using my calendar scheduling app. And there's a ton of different ones out there. Um, I'm not really going to list out all the different ones. I use Calendly because it's super simple, super convenient, and you can have an unlimited number of different types of meeting times. So I, as I walk through this process, I have different times that I have pre-scheduled into Calendly. So even 
once the client says, yes, I want to work with you, you know, meeting number one has a specific purpose and there's a specific calendar event that goes with that. So that's just kind of the, the back end of it. But for when you're onboarding a new client, you really want to have that process mapped out in advance. So they schedule a call with you, let's say, if you're doing it the way that I normally do it. We get on the phone call. I have an agenda on the back end that's pre-written of questions that I ask every new client. And I know that that sounds elementary, like no kidding, Kaylin. If you've been in business for at least a year, you know that that's something that's really helpful and important. After a while, seasoned people might be able to hop on a call and not really have an agenda in front of them. They just need a notebook to take notes or maybe they record calls. Now, after 10 years, I have that list sort of embedded into my brain, but I do keep a copy of it to give uh, my team. If let's say Ellie's going to do the first phone call with someone, I she has a guide. And even now after a series of calls, she's pretty pretty much has that list in her head too. But until you get to that point, document everything because you never know when you're going to need to share it with somebody. So they get on the call, you've got an agenda, you're asking them all about their ideal client and what their goals are for the business. And um, have they already been in business for a number of years? What are their successes been? I mean, that's just kind of a, a little snippet of what I ask. And then, you know, if they're going to do branding, I have a questionnaire for that. And if they're going to do a website, I have a questionnaire for that. So phase one is just a getting to know you call for me. And that's what a lot, I mean, even if you're doing e-commerce, if you're building out e-commerce websites or you're helping um, businesses sell products, you're probably going to want to know about that product, who they're selling to, what is the product features, those kind of things. So pretty standard getting to know you discovery phone call as step one, pretty much all businesses have something like that. But don't overlook that as a small business just starting out uh, because people are kind of expecting it. The hard thing about the internet is that people are expecting, nowadays people expect the same level of customer service from a mom and pop store as they do from like amazon.com. And I've seen this happen so many times, even locally where somebody gets a product or service, they don't like it. They don't, you know, instead of going and calling the vendor back or handling it internally, they're, you know, bashing people on social media and that kind of thing. So if you have a good process in the beginning, you can probably avoid some issues later on. Now, it's business. People are going to always have issues. And the bigger your business gets, the more issues that you're going to find arise, especially when people think you have money in the bank to be sued over. So um, the more you can do to mitigate issues and concerns and keep everything smooth, the better that you'll, the better this will go long term for you and the client. So on the second call, you want to get into the meat of what you're offering them. And so what I would do is on the second call, if they've only been talking to you on the discovery, and that's going to be your determination, you might want to have your whole team on the discovery. I tend to do a one-on-one -on -one or bring in maybe one or two other members, depending on what they filled in when they reached out to me. So um, if they put notes in the calendar item or they've emailed me on my website, or it depends how they float in. I take that information and then I decide, okay, do I need our web developer, you know, the guy who's the coding guy, which I'm not a coding guy. So we find him, we have him come on. We've got Ellie. She's our, you know, Jeff is our coding guy. Ellie is our brand design girl. She might want to hear what's going on. If not, if we can't make it work with our schedules, I always record the phone calls and I let the customer know I'm recording the call so that we can have it for future notes as we build your proposal out. So. Call number two is really the where I go over the proposal. 
with all of the services that we feel would best uh, help that client. And in the past, I've only included services that the person has asked me directly to provide because most clients will come in and they'll say, oh, I know that you do marketing, but I just need, I just need this or I just need that. And they think they already know sometimes what they need, um, but you have a different perspective. So you may be able to say, I know you want a new website, but um, I've noticed that your website's actually fine. You might just want to redo a couple of things on it. You might want to reword this page. You may want to make your website navigation a little bit cleaner so that there's not 17 things to choose from right away. You might want to just refocus the way that your website is structured versus dumping the whole thing and starting from scratch. And that's where you come in as an expert because not only did you just give them information that's going to save them money because they're not going to have to redo their entire website from scratch, but you're also might want them to fix some brand elements in my case, or you have, you know, something else. And this is for every industry. Even if you're a landscaper, if you have a landscaper come to your house and take a look at your yard, there's always a consultation. I mean, I've hired multiple different people from my house to do landscaping. They always do a phone call with me. I tell them what I think I need or what I really want. And then when they get here, they'll look at my whole yard and they'll say, I know you asked us to do this, but we recommend you also do this. And that's pretty standard. So be prepared to answer any questions on the second call and do a deep dive into the proposal. Make sure you have proposal templates that are brand matching. So um, I can't tell you how many times that I working with a client and we have agreements to sign and their logo is not at the top of it. It's just the name of their business or um, you might think that these things are um, trivial, but they're really not. I would have so every single interaction that that client has with you, even if it's just a legal document or a proposal document or whatever, you want it to look and feel like your business. So um, just putting a logo at the top of your stationery, honestly, nowadays with digital stuff, people don't even do that automatically anymore, which is surprising to me. But people used to automatically have letterhead. Back in the day, I remember when my dad started his cleaning company. And he was typing out his proposals on an electric typewriter, but he had ordered like 500 pages of stationery that had his logo at the top of it, a little header thing. It had a, he was really fancy with this paper, but <laughs> the background had a large building. It was like the skyline of the city of Providence because that's where we worked. And then the footer had a phone number and uh, we didn't have any other phone number and address. That's it. Um, because we didn't have the internet back then. So it was really simple, but he made sure that anything that went out that had his thing on it, and he knew nothing about business. He started out with my mom cleaning houses, and then he just thought, I need to, you know, he created those door hanger things, and he would go from business to business. I remember for hours as kids, we would sit in the car, and he would drive from, you know, business complex to business complex, all of those different office buildings, and he would just hang his door hangers on every single door and back then you didn't have any other option today we can be lazy and sit on our computers and send out emails but if you're sending out those emails don't forget that you have to brand them so you know i've gotten emails from people where there's no branding in the header i don't know like you know how it is when you sign up for stuff online you see an ad or you see something that looks good like 
there's people that sell these pre-made landing pages and it's like $27 and they'll give you like 50 different templates or email messages that you fill in the blank, whatever it is. That's awesome. But um, when you're, I've seen a lot of people send out those same email templates and stuff and there's no branding whatsoever. And then in the footer, it's maybe their name and the company they came from. And that works great maybe for the first one because you know you just opted in. But then the follow-on emails, I'll get like, you know, you just received an email from John Smith and I'm like, who the heck is that? And that person happens to work for the company that I just downloaded something from. But because there's no like quick way to discern that, I unsubscribe because I'm like, this must be spam. So when you're doing your emails and when you're any kind of touch points with your customer, that's where branding comes in. And it's really important to make sure they're constantly seeing whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be a crazy amount of colors and fonts and all this stuff. It can just be a simple minimalistic logo somewhere in the header or have a header that has a picture of you and remind them that you're receiving this email because you opted in to receive my free, whatever they downloaded. And then that way they're not like unsubscribe. This is spam because it happens to me all the time where I don't think I signed up for something. <laughs> and turns out it's just a different person that works at the same company, but I couldn't tell. Um, and if I can't tell really quickly, Google has made it very easy for people to unsubscribe with a little hyperlink at the top. Um, one thing I did want to talk about a little bit is the difference between customer support and customer service as well. So as you're bringing these clients on board and you're providing the service, there is a difference. So if there's like tech issues or they're having trouble logging into an online portal that you've given to them or whatever, be, be able to provide them with instructions and information up front and have that be very clean. So you've got your discovery call down. That was step one. Step two is the proposal. Let's just say they loved you. They think that your recommendations are on point. They're so happy that you saved them some money. Let's talk about next steps, right? So next steps would be sending over a contract. Again, put your branding on the top of the contract. Uh, then also invoices, make sure your branding is on your invoices. And I'm only saying all this because I've seen everything. I got an invoice one time with <laughs> somebody that I really love to work with. She's um, actually amazing, but uh, she sent me an invoice and it had just her name, her address, her phone number, and then the item, and then the price, and then that was it, and it was a PDF that she emailed to me, which is fine, <laughs> but with I immediately wrote back, and I'm like, um, I have no problem with the invoice and the pricing, but what do I do to pay? Do I have to mail you a check? Because <laughs> for me, I do not love mailing checks. I, I avoid it like the plague. So if someone, if you ever work with me, a digital invoice is the fastest way you're going to get paid. So if I can click a button and pay you right away, I will just click it right on my phone, click, click, you're paid and I'm done. And then I can move on. And most people are that way when it comes to billing. They don't want to sit and deal with, you know, doing all of that stuff. So the easiest you can make it for your client to pay you, do that. If it's a PayPal invoice, some people hate PayPal because of their policies and I get that. Um, but one thing I can say about PayPal is, as soon as I linked my business account to my business PayPal, it allowed me to pay people in two seconds. And so for me, the convenience of that has been really helpful. I don't really keep my money in PayPal. And I think that's the difference. I think a lot of people are getting paid out through PayPal and they're not moving their money out into a bank account. And so 
the only thing I use PayPal is for that merchant connection. So all my money is still in my actual bank account, but it'll pull the money I need to pay people. And so there's always a zero balance in PayPal. I don't really let them hold on to my money ever. So if I'm paying an invoice, it's actually, anyway, it's actually come through my, they charge me out of my bank account and they pay the thing for me. So I, I like that. Um, but you definitely have to research your vendors. For most of my clients, especially the recurring ones, I tend to use QuickBooks because I can do the time tracker in there. I don't usually bill by the hour anymore, but if I do bill by the hour, it's usually smaller projects or you know a special circumstance, and then I can put my time tracker on and bill out that way. What you'll find as you get your clients onboarded and you do it multiple times in the beginning, it might be a very informal process because maybe you're just starting out. But as you work with more clients, you'll find that you may not want to just send them an email that has a bunch of instructions on it. You might want to actually set up a phone call for every single step of your onboarding process. And if you can hire a virtual assistant, uh, there's a lot of virtual assistant companies out there and you can train them to onboard your clients so that they feel like they're getting a really great onboarding experience but you don't have to pay someone, you know, $50 an hour to, to do that for you. So um, they have VAs out there that are anywhere between 10 and $15 an hour. And each of the on onboarding calls might only be an hour or less. So um, what I've come to realize, especially for with websites and social media marketing and things like that, having phone calls where we actually work through everything together on a screen share it can get more done in less time. And then I would block out time that I can sit with the client and just go through things. And I even talked to my team last week on Friday and we think we might switch to where we literally do everything with the client online and that client will block out four hours and we just get their website done. They send us homework. So we're working on a package so that you don't have to wait 30 days, 60 days, whatever. We have three phone calls to get the plan together. And then on the fourth call, we're building it all out together. And I think um, it would just cut down on so much back and forth email traffic as we, that's why customer service, I wanted to do a, a podcast about it because we're working through this right now. We're trying to streamline things for people. When you're busy and you are now with COVID, your kids are at home doing their homework while you're trying to be on conference calls, why not just set a block of time and just be done? And then if you need to pay for the hosting plan, you can we can switch the screen over to you. You pop in all your information, get your hosting set up. There's not a lot of back and forth. Most of the lag time with web development and social media content creation and stuff comes from this back and forth. Can you approve this blog post to go out? Can you approve this social media calendar? And then the person on the other end forgets to look, like sees the email come in, but they're distracted. So they're like, I'll get to that later. And then three days later, I'm like, can you please approve your blog entry for this week? Can you please? And there's so much follow-up. And so what I've noticed is, you know, for me, I'd rather have a phone call every month with that client and say, here's your 30 day calendar. Let's go line by line and see if there's anything that you don't like. And then we will start scheduling it all out for you. And some of my clients are week to week. I have one client, Dr. Albright. He's awesome. He does every two weeks. And then sometimes he'll text me and say, I don't have anything for you this week. So we'll talk in two weeks. 
And so that way you're constantly, I have other clients who literally have said to me, Kaylin, I trust you. I don't really have time to deal with this. Can you just do everything? If something crazy pops up, I'll just tell you. <laughs> so I have actually two of my clients, they're, they're actually engaged to be married. Um, and Marissa, <laughs> she's a really amazing environmental lawyer here in where I live. And um, her fiance owns a restoration cleaning company here in where I live. And they are both so busy. Like I cannot really get either of them on the phone. He's in the field all the time on consultations. She's constantly in court or dealing with customer stuff. I mean, she's got just some really large cases right now that are pretty much keeping her from doing anything but research. So I, um, I know their personalities. I've been able to work, but I've been working with them for, I've been working with him for six months and her for over a year. So by now I know their personality types and I can maneuver that. And that's going to be on a case by case basis. But if something pops up, like she says, Kaylin, I, I know I said yes to this via email, but I don't even understand what this is. Um, can you, can we get on a call? That's that we do that all the time. So, so I talk to Marissa probably every two or three months if something pops up or she says, Hey, I want to do this on Instagram or Hey, I, I, what about this idea? And uh, she locally has a guy that's going to help her with a video podcasting thing that she, I guess he's her landlord and he's got an equipment set up. So that's going to take extra energy next year, but she's not ready yet because she just has too much going on. So I mean, obviously that's a very like specific example that I'm giving you, but that's what I mean. This, the generic process that everyone goes through should be documented. But then when you have certain personalities or special circumstances, obviously you can tweak it. I mean, I think sometimes people also, they get a customer who doesn't fit their perfectly crafted process. And then they kind of go, well, no, we're not going to do it that way because our, you know, we, this is how we do things with our business. And I've had people like that, that I've hired to do stuff for me and they want to force me into their process, which usually I don't mind flexing a little bit, but if it's to the point where what they want me to do is not going to work for me, period, just because of my schedule and my time, I'm not going to work with them. And I think customers also feel that pressure when I think customers also feel that pressure to adhere to your processes and procedures, even if it doesn't work for them. And you just don't, you don't want to be so rigid that people feel frustrated working with you because then in their mind, they're going to associate your name and your business with being frustrated. And when they go back and go to refer their friends, they'll be like, you know what? He was a really great CPA, but flip, like I had to fill out, I had to, every single time I wanted to work with him, he made me go do this and this and this just to get an appointment. And, he, and I wouldn't even bother because you're just going to go crazy pulling your ear out. But the guy might provide amazing work, but you don't want to send anyone there because they're going to go nuts trying to get him on the phone. And so really the, co the companies that are doing well now are reducing all the friction to get in touch with their, with their people. They don't want to have to deal with all that. So common sense, treat your customers the way you want to be treated, but have a process. Um, so once they accept the proposal and you're implementing services, like I had mentioned with my example, monthly call, weekly calls, whatever your client is comfortable with, 
we even, you know, some of our social media clients, they don't want 30 days content. They want a weekly content calendar because they are, uh, they have events that pop up or they have things that are more relevant in that week. And they would rather see everything week to week because it, their world is just really quick and changes often. So keep those things in mind for your industry and just know that whenever you're clients are thinking about you, they're going to remember how easy it was to work with you. And it's going to be a huge selling point when they refer you to somebody else. And that's why these processes and procedures are so important because they're going to go, Oh my gosh, she did such an amazing job on my social media or my website. And it was so easy. We had a couple of phone calls and it only took 30 days to get the thing live. And normally it's like nine weeks. And you just want people to be able to say that because there are so many people who do marketing now who have a ton. I mean, there's incredible marketing agencies that have, you know, 500 employees. They're global. They do everything under the sun. They do a lot of things differently or better or whatever than I do. Right. And you're going to have that in your industry. Everyone has that. There's always a new person who's not as good as you or people have been doing it for 80 years and they might have their stuff down better, but there's room for everyone. What I would say is do what you do best with excellence in your abilities and then make sure that your clients are feeling taken care of because now with Amazon and some of these bigger companies trying to pay your credit card bill can take an hour. So if you can make someone's life easier, it's going to pay back your brand. It multiplies how much people love that. And one thing I also like to do is send out little goodies when I sign up a new client, I send a thing of brownies part of my process, especially if it's a large client that's on a retainer for any length of time. I send a huge thank you basket for their whole office. It has like 30 chocolate brownies in it. They're individually wrapped. So they're COVID friendly. So everybody can uh, <laughs> not freak out about getting stuff in the mail. But it's been people talk about that and they'll text me. Oh my gosh, you just made everyone in the office like 20 pounds fatter, but they, you know, loved it. And they're like, thank you so much for sending that over. And I'm going to have to run more this week, but they remember it and they appreciate it. And so Christmas time's running, coming up and it's a great time to send out little cards, paper cards, not emails. Um, paper cards to your clients and your contacts and and yeah that's that should be part of your process customer service nurturing because your current clients are going to buy more from you or they're going to refer you so once you have somebody it is much easier to sell another product or service to a hot or warm client than it is to get a cold person who doesn't know you to convert so anything you can do to love on your customers and make their experience better is crucial Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.